Hello and welcome to Still a Nurse Podcast. I am your host, Tristan, a registered nurse, wife, and mother. Join me as I set out to discover everything the nursing profession has to offer. Through conversations with other nurses, we will take an insider's look at common nursing positions and explore alternative career paths few know about. We'll discuss the highs and lows of nursing, how to love your work and prevent burnout, career advancement strategies, relevant current events, continuing education to improve your skills, and along the way, we'll hear amazing stories that are heartbreaking, inspirational, or hilarious. Let's have some fun. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Still a Nurse Podcast. With me today, we have Nurse Emily Mazurak. Did I pronounce that right, Emily? Mazarak, so close. Mazarak, okay, close. And I'm excited to hear her journey and what she's up to now in nursing. So, Emily, thank you so much for joining us today. Why don't you start by introducing yourself and what and tell us what you're doing now? Sure. Um, so, again, thanks so much for having me here. I'm super excited to talk with you and your audience. So, like you said, my name is Emily, and I am actually a second degree nursing student. So, I did one of those crazy fast accelerated programs. Um, because I figured out that I wanted to be a nurse a little bit later in life. And I had always thought about being a community health nurse. That's um, what I had studied in undergrad and grad school. And honestly, I was shocked when I found myself actually in the pediatric ICU. So I've been a nurse for almost eight years now, with the majority of that being in pediatrics and the peds ICU. That is great. And isn't it interesting how far we often land from where we originally imagined? A hundred percent. I was never one of those nurses that was like, I need to be in the ICU. I was, you know, 180 degrees the other way. Absolutely. Uh, so tell me, how did you choose nursing? Um, so like I said, my background is in um, human services. So it was the combination of public health uh, and social services. And as I was going through my coursework, I really was gravitating towards more of the science aspect, but also being able to kind of work with people on a different level through education and also um, kind of meeting them where they're at and figuring out how we could um, do a lot more of the prevention work to keep them out of um, the healthcare system. Very cool. Um, So that is a great intro into all of you. So tell us what it's been like being a pediatric ICU nurse. Sure. Um, So for those of you that don't know, um, obviously it's at the bedside and we do 12-hour shifts. I am one of those diehard night shifters. Um, I like the kind of team aspect and it's a little bit quieter, not so many people around. But as you would expect, you know, patient ratios, um, thankfully where I've always worked have been one to two. That's kind of the gold standard for ICU patients. And we do everything from um, kind of respiratory season is going on right now, but also a lot of neuro. Um, The PICU that I'm working in now also does cardiac. Sometimes you'll have a separate cardiac, um, pediatric cardiac ICU unit. So it just kind of depends on what um, what your hospital offers. Great. And how did you end up in the PICU when you were thinking you'd be in a totally different realm? Sure. Uh, So I had actually started off in adult med surge. I was um, scrounging for a job where I went to nursing school. There were lots of other nursing schools with a lot of new grads looking for new positions. And I knew I always wanted to be in pediatrics, but I actually just took this job because honestly, I was a little bit desperate. Student loans were kind of 
banging at the door. So about halfway through my first year, I started looking for different pediatric jobs. And I applied to basically anything that sounded of interest, any state or city that I thought I either had a friend in or thought I might be interested in living in. And the pediatric ICU out in Pittsburgh was the first one to call me back. And that's how I ended up um, in the PICU. That's really neat. I think it's cool that you were open to moving and things because that can be kind of intimidating for a lot of people, but way to be adventurous. Yeah. Especially um, if you know you live in a quiet area, um, you might not have as many opportunities. So yeah, absolutely. being open is always good. I agree. Um, so how was that transition to the PICU? Was it something that was enjoyable and exciting or was that just kind of hard and you just had to get through it? I think I went through a range of emotions. Um, anybody that's you know started off as a new grad nurse realizes that there's such a huge learning curve, and my med surge background gave me a really great base for um, patient management and you know passing meds and talking with providers. But pediatrics and adults are so very different that I didn't have um, more of like a clinically based mind going into the position. So it was definitely a lot of learning. Uh, it was about a six month orientation. And even after the six months, you know, you never really feel fully prepared until you're off on your own. But thankfully, I was able to be in a program where they really supported nurses, or especially new nurses in the area. Um, and the assignments were always very appropriate. There were always great resources. So I think that that definitely helped my transition into uh, being a new PICU nurse for sure, which was great. Absolutely. Um, so what could you explain what a typical shift is like kind of in short summary version on the PICU just for those who maybe are curious and wanting to know more? Sure. So like I mentioned, 12-hour shifts um, where I've always worked at 7 to 7. So usually I show up about 10 minutes earlier just to kind of review the charts and figure out who my patients are for the day. Um, you're going to get report from the outgoing nurse and you kind of hit the ground running. So you might be single if your patient is super sick. Uh, and that's so you can you know dedicate a lot of your care and one-on-one -on -one time with them and their families. Uh, and then if you have two patients, it's all about prioritization, right? Who has meds? Who has labs? Um, Depending on your patient, it'll either be, you know, Q1 hour assessments if they're maybe a neuro patient and um, maybe a little bit more spaced out to Q2 or Q4, depending on um, depending on what they came in for. And because I work night shift, it's a lot fewer uh, procedures at the bedside, but that's not saying that we can't intubate or put lines in or, you know, draw our own labs overnight. Um, but some of those bigger procedures tend to happen on daylight when there is a lot more staff around that can be of assistance. That makes sense. So what makes you gravitate towards night shift so much? You kind of went into it already, um, but... Like for me, I think that would be a really hard change to get into. So what really do you think draws you and others to the night shift? I've always been a night shifter. I am not somebody that enjoys getting up early. Uh, so, you know, I did my daylight orientation and then thankfully I've always been able to work nights. Uh, I think because there aren't so many people um, and providers around, right? It's more of a skeleton staff. It's a little bit quieter. Um, you get to know your coworkers a little bit better. Um, not to say, you know, you're just kind of sitting around chatting with each other, but you have more of an opportunity to, I think, learn and help um, just because there's a little bit less um, chaos going on in the unit. Uh, and I also find it to be a little less stimulating, right? There's a lot of conversations happening and a lot of people, um, a lot of different services that are kind of coming in and consulting that aren't necessarily there overnight. So I also find it just to be a lot less stimulating, which is nice. And does that mean you get a little bit more time with your patients at all, or are they all pretty much just too little 
to really want to be with you and asleep. Yeah, hundred percent. So it totally depends. Um, the PICU will take anybody from, you know, a few days to a few weeks old up to depending on the state you work in, you know, 21 or 26. So I think it just kind of depends on a, how sick your patient is and kind of where they are development developmentally. Uh, and then the same thing with parents, you have some parents that are there during daylight hours because that's when rounds are happening and they're getting updates. Um, and they might either go home or stay somewhere local. Um, but there definitely are the parents that like to stay overnight. So you get to kind of form, um, form a good relationship with them, hopefully, uh, over your night shift as well. Cool. Uh, So do you have any favorite stories that you like to share from being in the PICU for eight years? Uh, So I think pediatrics is a very special um, kind of area of nursing. And that's why I gravitated towards it, right? You get to like sing and, you know, be silly and talk about movies and video games with kids. Uh, And I think one of the biggest things is we try to normalize kids being in the hospital, right? For both the patient and their family. And one of the big things is we always try to do celebrations, whether it's, you know, a kid who finishes chemo, a kid that got off the transplant uh, list and is finally going for a kidney or a heart. Um, But one of my most favorite patients, she had um, a very rare genetic disease and she wasn't supposed to live, you know, past a couple of years. So her family decided on, uh, the 18th of every month, they were going to celebrate her birthday. They weren't sure how many birthdays she was going to have. So even though, you know, I think she was like a biological age of three, we were, you know, celebrating her like 38th birthday or something, um, <laughs> which was kind of fun. And, you know, something I've never seen, but I definitely appreciated the family kind of creating their own sense of normalcy around, you know, patient, a patient that is in and out of the hospital. Mm-hmm. That's really cute. And yeah. probably made the kid feel a little bit more special as well. A hundred percent. I mean, who wouldn't want to celebrate their birthday every month? Yeah, that's fun. Okay. So um, this area of nursing I hear has a pretty high area of turnover or a burnout. Can you tell us a little bit about that, why that's the case and um, if you've had any experience with it? Sure. So a lot of people uh, want to get in and they do their, you know, two or three years of experience and either want to go travel or go back to school for their NP or their CRNA. So I think that that partially impacts some of the burnout that we see in any ICU, whether it be the pediatric or in the adult world. I think also being in the ICU is such a different world and it can definitely have those, you know, super high moments where medicine is able to do really great things, but it also has some of those devastating cases. And especially if you hit a few back to back to back, that can definitely be very, like have a huge impact on your psyche and make you question, you know, whether or not nursing is the right profession for you. And that was even before COVID hit. So the amount of moral trauma that nurses are facing now is, you know, through the roof. So I'm sure, and studies have shown that, you know, burnout in any area of nursing, is definitely much higher than it was, you know, two, two and a half years ago, pre-COVID. And I was definitely one of those people in the ICU. Um, I wouldn't say that I thought I was invincible, but it was one of those things where I was sure that was never going to happen to me. And after about four years, I started to kind of have some of those rough days that turned into weeks and into months. And I just convinced myself that it was just a bad season of nursing. It was just kind of a fluke and that things would get better, um, especially once, you know, the spring weather was out and beautiful, you know, maybe a little bit of seasonal depression in there too. And we had relocated. So I was interviewing for a new PICU position 
And they were talking about all of the things they were doing in their unit to combat burnout. And they were listing, I think, like six or eight of the most common symptoms that they had seen in their staff over the last year, again, pre-COVID. And I think of all of the things listed, I had, I think, six of the eight burnout symptoms that they had listed. And of course, this was like my come to Jesus moment. I was in the middle of an interview and panicking because I realized that um, not only had this kind of slipped by, but I knew that if I was to take another job in the PICU, uh, it probably would be the end of my nursing career. I mean, I probably could, you know, last maybe another year or two, but I would either then have to, you know, leave bedside or uh, leave nursing altogether. That is a big uh, moment to come to. Like that, no wonder you were panicking. That's kind of scary. So, what? How did you proceed? So at that point, I thankfully had applied to kind of a couple different positions, things that I had, um, you know, just thought I would apply just to see kind of what the unit was like. And I actually took a job in radiology. So we did a lot of sedation for inpatient and outpatient cases for, you know, MRI and CT and IR. And I think it was a great way for me to use some of those ICU skills that I had developed over the last four years, but it wasn't as um, high paced uh, and high stress as, you know, the 312s. Um, It was also daylights with no holidays and no weekends. So that was also um, a really nice schedule to kind of transition into as well. Um, but after a year, I really did miss the, um, the pick you. Um, so I ended up back there, but it was after a lot of self-development work that I had done and working with a mentor to kind of figure out what I needed to do in order to support myself, to make sure I wouldn't go through a second round of burnout once I started back in the pick you. And how long ago was all of that? If you don't mind me asking kind of your rejuvenation process. Sure. Um, so my burnout really hit kind of the winter um, into the spring of 2019. Uh, and I started that new job the summer of 2019. And from there, I would say it took me about eight to nine months um, to really come back into my own and to really realize that I did love nursing and that this was something that I needed to do and to create some of those routines and that kind of nursing toolbox to use both at work as well as in my um, personal life. Great. And how have the results been? You are currently working as a PICU nurse, correct? I am. Yeah. So I ended up going back. Um, I've been there for about a year and a half and it's been great. And I think I'm definitely more cognizant of hard days and, you know, not picking up that overtime shift and, you know, that feeling of guilt that a lot of nurses have myself included when, you know, you get those texts that the, um, the unit is short staffed, uh, but also, you know, remembering things that I really love to do. And in the moment, you know, I might not want to go for a walk outside, or I might not want to do some journaling, but remembering kind of how I will feel and how that, that consistency will definitely serve me better down the line. So I think it's like a, versus like motivation versus dedication where, you know, there are days that you definitely don't want to do those things, but kind of remembering the end result helps to get you there. Yeah, that's great. Um, so you'd mentioned that you had a mentor kind of help walk you through when you were burned out in your transition and everything. How did you go about finding a mentor and how did that help you? Sure. So back in, I guess, 2018, I had found this Instagram page. It's called uh, Nurses Inspired Nurses. And this woman, uh, her name is Kat. She was also a pediatric nurse, realized that there was a huge 
gap in the nursing community where nurses weren't feeling heard or they didn't know where to go for um, support or help, um, kind of creating that balance between work and life. And it was a page I'd followed for years and she offers this great 12-week mentorship program. And it was kind of like a scary investment that I made in myself, but uh, realized that you know it would pay off um, exponentially after the program had been completed. And it was definitely, it was a great investment. I don't, um, I don't regret doing it or taking the time out, um, in order to do that for myself. So that's something that you would recommend to other nurses who are kind of feeling those symptoms of burnout or just kind of questioning what is next for them. A hundred percent. And I think right now, you know, burnout is such a I hate to use buzzword, but I feel like people are more aware of kind of what the symptoms are and the impact that it can have on both your personal and your professional life. And I think that there's still a little bit of a gap between people recognizing that they are either kind of in this beginning burnout stages or, you know, full on uh, symptoms, but they might not necessarily know what to do in order to pull themselves out of that. So I think creating um, more awareness about what those steps are, as opposed to just talking about the actual symptoms um, and the actual problem itself will be helpful over the next few years. All right. So for my audience, we will list that resource for you in the show notes um, at the end of the show. So be sure to check that out if this sounds like something that'll be as helpful for em- or for you as it was for Emily. Thank you for sharing that, Emily. Um, so what has this experience led you to do about nurse burnout? So again, just talking about that bridge and seeing how much mentorship and creating a community really helped me and my transition and being able to go back to a job um, that I loved. Uh, I actually started my own uh, nurse mentorship program, and that's called the Fill Up Your Cup Project. So it's really a labor of love of being able to provide resources as well as kind of tell my story and show nurses that it is possible to come out from your burnout to create um, a life that you love. might not necessarily be in the field of nursing where you started off, but really being able to figure out what you want um, and to figure out what your kind of personal self is like outside of just that role of nursing. I think so often we get tied up in these titles and um, these certifications that hospitals and managers want us to have that we kind of lose sight of what we actually want both personally and professionally. That is fantastic. It sounds like a really neat and meaningful thing. So would you mind telling us when you started that and kind of how that all came to be? Sure. So that was kind of a labor of love and something that I talked about with um, Kat about creating. And she was amazingly supportive. And to be honest with you, this is something that I had never done before. Um, Obviously, with my role in public health and as a nurse, it's a lot of education, but this is a whole new realm. I was figuring out the world of self-development and personal development, um, something that I never really focused on before. So I had done a lot of inner... um, like inner searching to figure out what was helpful for me, as well as, you know, just researching what might be helpful for nurses. And it was a lot of just trial and error to see what nurses out there were looking for and uh, figuring out what resources would kind of be most helpful in different situations for them. And over the last two years, I've been able to host um, all sorts of different free events and challenge groups, as well as some uh, one-on-one mentorship over um, a 12-week period as well. That sounds really interesting. And what a fun way to, I mean, you're still working as a nurse full time, it sounds like, but you're also helping nurses. So you're kind of doing a double right now. You're helping the patients, but you're helping their caregivers as well, which I think is really meaningful. Um, 
Do you see the Fill Up Your Cup project becoming something bigger or do you hope to just keep it as a side hustle so you can continue doing bedside nursing as well? I think as I've progressed through nursing, I think it's, I've definitely become somebody that's interested, like a multi-passionate person. Um, I would love to go back and teach. I love working with students. Um, But again, I also enjoy being at the bedside as well. So somehow being able to kind of combine those three, whether it's working a few shifts part-time and being able to build up this mentorship uh, program as well, Uh, just being able to do what, you know, fills me up as well. That's great. So uh, can you give us a little sneak peek about what some of the mentor tips are that you have for people just to kind of let people know what that's about? Yeah. So over the 12 weeks, we really dive deep into who you are at your core and kind of what your best self looks like. Kind of like I was talking about before, I think nurses are so busy giving back to others, both at the bedside or as an outpatient nurse, um, and even with their friends and family that they kind of lose sight of who they are at their core. And that's what we spend a lot of work on the first few weeks is to figure out what your core values are and what you kind of see yourself as and what your role is, and especially your role outside of the the bedside nurse and the caregiver. And from there, we really focus on creating, you know, routines, whether it be things you do before work or things you do after work to really be able to decompress um, routines that kind of help to build up your energy, even on those days that, you know, you don't really want to get off the couch. And really throughout the 12 weeks, going back to that, um, that idea of who you are at your core, where finally towards the end, we're creating super aligned goals. So that way, once the mentorship program has ended, you're really on a great trajectory um, to accomplish things over not only the next few months uh, and the next few years. And you also have this great toolbox of things to use where, um, you know, we might not be meeting every week, but you can go back to all of these great resources um, and kind of do a little bit of that self-discovery journey on your own as well. Well, that sounds really um useful for any nurse in any situation to just kind of remember in a way what it is that made them choose nursing in the first place and Mm -hmm. what it is they need from nursing as well. Um, I think that's really neat that you're doing that. What results have you seen? Because you've obviously had great results in your own life, but have you seen pretty good results from those that you've been helping as well? Definitely. And nurses make of this um, kind of what they put into it. So some are just looking to be um, be able to leave work at work and to be able to actually enjoy their time at home, right? They're not checking in to see how patients are or picking up lots of overtime. Um, I've had people who are interested in going back to school. So they have you know, been researching programs and trying to set up shadows with people who are CRNAs or maybe a nurse educator to see if this is something that they would be interested in doing. Um, right now, I have somebody who was always interested in photography. So she's been working on setting up um, a photography business to do in addition to her bedside nursing job. So it's really, you know, you don't come into this program and, you know, I give you all of the steps. It's really about figuring out what you want and um, kind of using um, this program as a source of accountability to really make sure that everything you're doing is, again, going back to who you are at your core and making sure um, that it's super aligned and something that's going to make you happy and feel fulfilled. All right. That's really interesting. Um, Another phrase that came to my mind regarding this um, to go along with fill up your cup is sharpening the blade or sharpening the saw. Just you can't chop down a tree if the blade is dull. So Mm -hmm. treat yourself as the blade and treat yourself basically. (laughs) Take care of yourself once in a while. Exactly. And self-care is, you know, it's 
great to go for a massage and go for coffee with friends, but it's also having those really hard conversations and setting boundaries with those you love and um, boundaries at work and, you know, possibly going to therapy and, you know, doing things that might not be great in the moment. um, But once you work through have definitely um, will impact your life exponentially. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Do you have any fun stories you can tell us about or from your journey starting this side project? Uh, I think one of the most interesting things is actually having um, is doing podcasts and talking with people and just meeting other nurses. Uh, I think social media and kind of the tech media age have allowed me to meet people that I might not otherwise have met before and to hear their story and to get my story out there. Uh, this is never something that I had imagined myself ever doing, but the more that I kind of get into it and the more rounds of mentorship we get through is something that um, really gets me excited and something that I'm kind of glad that even though I went through my whole burnout journey, it led me to this really awesome um, place and uh, allowed me to start this program. That's fantastic. And do you, uh, with this program you're doing, do you do, is it group courses or is it one-on-one that you do? So right now it's just a one-on-one. I'm hoping in the fall to maybe start doing some group, group, um, mentorship program. So that way I can serve more nurses. But uh, right now, just because of my schedule, still working full-time at the bedside, um, I love to be able to connect with my mentees and really be there for them. So I typically work with um, between three and five people each round, just so um, we both find it to be beneficial and uh, make sure that we have enough time uh, to put into the whole process. That's great that you've got those boundaries and everything set up so that it can be uh, beneficial for you to kind of keep that fire light in yourself, but also help you to give the most uh, to the people that are your mentees. Um, Where can people go to find more about your project, um, your mentorship program? So I do a lot of uh, my work and a lot of um, kind of my connection through Instagram. So you can find me at emily.mazarak. And I also have a website that we're kind of twerking right now or tweaking right now. And that is fillupyourcutproject.com. Fantastic. Uh, Do you have any other things you'd like to share with the nurses, any other advice or anything like that that you'd like to share before we end this? I think just for nurses to remember that they're not alone in this journey. Um, There are resources out there for you. While, um, you know, yes, we are talking about my mentorship program. There are definitely other programs and other people out there that are looking to serve nurses in a similar capacity. So I would say before working with any kind of a mentor or um, a therapist or a social worker, do a little bit of research and get on the phone with them and see if you click, Um, you know, if you are going to spend the time and the money to invest in yourself, just to make sure that it really is um, a good investment and really is beneficial for you. I think it's great that you're helping patients still and that you're able, you were able to get back into the pediatric ICU, a place that you obviously love, but you're able to do it in a more rejuvenated and probably a way that makes you an even better nurse than you were before. So congratulations with all that. And I wish you the best going forward with the Philip Your Cup project. And I will be sure to link your website and other things for you in the show notes so that my audience can find you. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate it. And again, thanks for having me on. Thanks for tuning in for today's episode. I hope you learned something new about nursing from our guest. Be sure to check out the show notes for more information on this episode. If you like the content you heard today, be sure to tell your nursing friends about us. And please subscribe so you don't miss out on future content. Until next time, remember, you're still a nurse.